I experience those magical moments and the synchronicities when you do open yourself up to to this world. And for me, it made this life much more wondrous and exciting. It's like, wow, this is actually life is so much more interesting than I ever thought it was. Welcome to the Free Your Inner Guru podcast. I'm your host, Laura Tucker. Today's guest, Rana Zia, spent her career holding executive-level leadership roles in large Fortune 500 retail companies, including the position of Chief Financial Officer. She supported leaders and teams to maximize their abilities and achieve their goals in the corporate world. Her passion for personal and leadership development and an intense desire to discover her own purpose and potential led her down an unexpected path of self-realization and spirituality. Although she initially shied away from purely spiritual concepts and beliefs, as she moved deeper into her understanding of how everything you desire in this physical world comes from the unseen world, Rana began to embrace her life as a spiritual journey. Rana shares her story of discovering her inner guru in the wonderful new book, Your Hidden Light, A Personal Guide to Creating Your Desired Life. Rana, welcome to Free Your Inner Guru. Thank you, Laura, for having me on. Rana, what was that like for you as you began your to see your life as a spiritual quest? You know, it's funny. I never really thought about it as a spiritual quest. When I started my journey about five years ago, I was looking, uh, really looking for how do I advance my career? I mean, it was a really, it was materialistic goals of how do I advance? Um, how do I do more? Where do I go from here? Um, I was a CFO in a corporate environment, and there was something inside of me telling me that I needed to be doing something different. And I honestly thought it was maybe I start my own business. How do I become an entrepreneur? Um, and so that's where I began my journey of how do I get out of what I'm, what I'm doing now and really do what I'm supposed to be doing. And, you know, my finance background or my business background, I was always looking for how do I do something in the most efficient way, the most effective way, the way of least resistance. And in my journey, in my search for that, I started to get, I, that's how I started to go down this spiritual path. I realized like everything to create anything in this physical world, it starts with the spiritual world. And what I mean by that, it starts from within. And when I started to prove myself that that was actually correct, that's when I had to really open myself up to wait a minute, I'm, I'm going down now a spiritual path. This is now becoming a spiritual journey. How did that feel? You know what? It felt amazing. <laughs> it actually felt amazing. I actually resisted it. I honestly resisted it. I thought, okay, just give me the steps. Give me the steps. The steps make sense, right? But then I was just curious. I wanted to know, well, why does this work? Because the steps actually works for me. And when I looked back on how I accomplished things in my past, in my career, I'm like, wow, I was doing those steps unconsciously, right? So now I'm going to do these steps consciously and it's working. But I kept asking myself, well, why does this work? Why does this work? And I was resisting this spiritual concept of, of okay, there, there's a spiritual part of us that's connected to everything. That to me, I'm like, I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that. 
But then as I, I really got more deeply into it, I started to really realize like, wait a minute, I can't resist this anymore because this is who I am. And that's when really a light went on, on inside of me. And I started to feel more whole. What were some of the challenges that you faced as you embraced this new self-awareness and this new way of looking at the world? What set up that resistance? Do you recall? You know, I, I, I would say it's just conditioning, past conditioning. Um, you know, I grew up uh, in an, an amazing family. My, my family was very supportive. It, it's an Indian, they're Indian immigrants and they were Muslim. So I grew up in a Muslim household, but, you know, quite different from most people I knew. My parents were actually quite open. Um, they weren't strict. They, they, they actually prioritized their children. But growing up um, in a family, a religious family with that conditioning and background, I think it just was ingrained in me um, to, to, while I felt like I was an open person, when some of these concepts of, of who we really are, they, they go against you know, some of the teachings that I grew up with. And I didn't realize how ingrained that was. So physically, my body was resisting it. But as I slowly began to feel the truth of what I was reading inside of me, then I slowly started to open up to it. Um, it took a little bit of time, but not a lot of time. I think it took maybe just a year uh, for me to really, really embrace it. And in context, a year can seem or sound like a long time. But in the grand scheme of things, to go through that type of a transition in a year is, is, relatively, is relatively quick. Yeah, I mean, it is. <laughs> and I would say that, you know, I'm still on my journey. I, I'm probably just starting my journey. Um, I think once I open myself up to it, and I think a big piece of me opening myself up to it was writing this book. Because in writing this book, um, I do talk about these spiritual concepts um, and I do challenge uh, people's core belief systems. In writing it, I actually knew I needed to write it, but I wasn't even fully there when I was writing it. And so the whole process of the writing process helped me um, open myself up even more. And so I would say, while I say it took a year, it really took a year for me to really open myself up and really begin my journey. I love what you just said about discovering being still being in that discovery and in that resistance while you were writing it was an internal conflict when i was writing it i don't know if conflict is the right word but you know when i decided that and i believed that this was the book that i should be writing and that i and i needed to start to write um, honestly, the chapter titles came into my head immediately. So I knew the content of the book. Um, I knew how long it was going to be, and I started to write it. And the things that came easy to me, right, were the process, because I did the process. I knew how that worked. And you're a process person. Yes, and you're right. Right, Absolutely. if you're like the efficient bit of, of always looking for efficiencies, always looking for the steps. Right, right. So I could speak because I felt like I experienced it. I know it. I, this is, this is something that I feel like, uh, you know, I get, but that one piece that was the spiritual piece where I was just beginning my journey. 
yeah, it was, it, it, I contemplated, do I put this in? Do I not put this in? Right. And, and there are a lot of spiritual writers out there who have whole books on this. Right. Um, And this one chapter, and it was going to be up front. It was chapter two. And so I wrote it because I just, you know, I thought to myself, look, Ronna, you can't go back and edit it. You can't think, just write, keep writing. And when you're done with the book, you can decide at that point what to do, right? (laughs) Um, And so I just stopped myself from any sort of thinking and thought process. and, And I just wrote, wrote, wrote. The book was done. I had this chapter two. And I actually gave it to a friend of mine to read the whole book. And I could tell that chapter two made her uncomfortable. But I just had to trust my gut saying, look, you know what? Because it makes you uncomfortable, Rana, because this is the piece that you're so, you know, unsure about, you have to leave it in. So I did. And it was a a risk for me. But now that I've actually moved through, um, you know, my, my uncomfortableness, Mm-hmm. you know, to me, it was the right thing to do. It was the right thing to have it in there. So let's dive a little bit into chapter two then, now that we've created curiosity around it. what Share with us the, some of the core content of chapter two, where the, the message, that I don't have the, the chapters right in front of me to pull it out, but the message is more or less, you are a spiritual being. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's funny because I'm not uncomfortable now, right? You should have asked me this question a year ago and I would have been squirming a little bit. Um, So yes, the chapter is called Who You Are. And it is meant to to just relay. And again, this is not about preaching. This is about relaying, you know, relaying information. And if it connects with somebody's truth, then explore that within yourself. So it really um, states that we are, you know, we're dual in nature. We have this physical part of us and we also have a spiritual part of us. And the spiritual part of us is our essence, right? It's our soul. And what, and that's not so, you know, that to me wasn't uncomfortable. I think what was initially uncomfortable was that we are directly connected to what people call God, right? This universal energy, source energy. For me, it was God, right? For what I know is God. And that we are directly connected. Our soul selves, our spiritual selves are a piece of the greater God. So as a wave is to an ocean, we are the wave of the greater ocean. And so that concept to me um, was, is, was initially difficult to understand because Based upon my background, I always thought of God as something separate from myself, you know. And so what this chapter does is it talks about there's that peace within you that is not separate from this greater universal energy. You're directly connected to this energy and therefore you're a piece of this energy. So you are a creator, right? There's the creator that we all, you know, say we pray to but you yourself are a creator. And from that, from that aspect, right, if you think of yourself now as the creator connected to all that creates, you are much more empowered. And if you have the right tools and the right guidance, you have that same ability to create your life. Let's go through a little bit of that creation process that you've defined throughout the book. So I talk about uh, the creation process being a four-step process. And the first step is actually consciously 
creating a desire, a thought, right? An intention or a goal. So everything starts from your thought. And when I say consciously create, we think all the time, right? As humans, we're, we're constantly thinking. And most of the time, we're unconsciously thinking. We're just thinking thoughts in the back of our head. They keep running, running, running. And the number one step is very, very important because it's about stopping and being very conscious of what you want to create, right? Like in the morning, waking up and say consciously, what do I want to create the day? So it's creating a conscious thought or, or desire. So that's the first step. But the first step actually has three parts to it, right? It's like anybody can create a thought, right? I can wake up and say, you know, I want to make a million dollars today, right? But there's, there's the element of do you truly believe that, you know, that you can actually do that? Do you really feel that in your body? So it is about having a thought that you really believe that it's, it's achievable for you and feeling good about it. That's the number one. And sometimes it's very easy. Like I can wake up in the morning and say, I want to have a productive day. That's easy for me because I've had productive days before, right? I know that's achievable. Great. So I'm done with step one. But sometimes step one, are there, you, you want to achieve much bigger things, right? And it takes time. For my book, for example, I said I wanted to write a book. Oh my gosh, it took me two years to believe that I could, I could write the book, right? So it took me two years to accomplish goal one or step one, right? Does that, does that make sense? Oh, totally. I love that you've come back around to that because I wanted to follow up and say this is this when people set these almost um, magical intentions for themselves, if they can't not just in their thoughts and, and, and their mind get into energetic alignment with it because it's too far out there, then it's almost like step number one, you don't really get out of step number one. Yeah. And there's a difference between that and, and growing and becoming the person who can now write the book right? and bring it into physical form. Um, So that's step, that's step one. And that's huge. Right. And so, um, you know, I feel like I'm simplifying it a bit by not giving it much time, but this is where, this is where a lot of the time has to be spent specifically if you want to create something that you've never created in your life, life before. Step two is gratitude, right? So, Gratitude is really bringing your body into, you said energetic alignment, you used that word and I loved it. It's energetic alignment. It's feeling good, essentially. It's feeling good within yourself um, that you're going to receive it. And, 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 and gratitude is something that, you know, you can say, okay, thank you. But you need to actually practice gratitude for things that you already have to really feel what that feels like. Because you need to feel that same way when you have, when you're grateful for something you don't have yet, you need to feel the same way you feel when you're grateful for something you already do have. So there's gratitude that's putting good energy out into the universe. And then the third step um, is detachment, right? And, And this is where a lot of people struggle with detachment. Um, And what I mean by detachment is not having any sort of emotional attachment to the outcome. Um, And it's easier said than done, um, but that it's extremely important because when you are attached 
to whatever your goal is, right? Um, and you're, you're, you're grasping for it. You're hoping for it. Your body feels this sense of, of striving. And what that actually is, is it's energetic resistance, right? What's the difference you feel in your body when you're grateful for having something versus a sense of striving within your body because you don't have it yet. So detachment is protecting your gratitude energy, right? It's saying, I'm releasing it. I'm not emotionally attached and I'm relaxed. And if you can get into that state, then you go into step four, which is you listen to your internal guidance and you take actions that are completely in line with what you desire. So, I, you know, some, sometimes you actually don't have to take any actions at all. You know, honestly, like if you're, if you're, you're trying to create something very simple in your life, you know, like, you know what, I, my intention is that I'm going to go out to dinner and, you know, everybody's going to get along <laughs> and, and that's what you hope. And you say, thank you for that. I'm completely detached. I'm going to the dinner, relaxed, And then everything flows very easily. Right. You may feel like, you know, what? I don't really have to work hard for that. Everything worked out really well. But if you're actually like, again, I'll bring it back to my book, right? I can't just manifest a book without writing it. <laughs> you know, I desired, I believed that I could do it. I was, I felt good about it. I detached from it and I just did what I needed to do. And when you, when you take actions that are aligned with your goal and you're following your inner guidance, it's not going to feel like work, right? Cause you're not going to feel like you're struggling. You'll feel like you're completely in the flow of things and, and, and you'll know what to do. I'd love to explore the idea of detachment further with you because it's not the same as cutting yourself off from it or taking on a mental attitude or energetic attitude of, I don't care, or I'm not just not going to think about this. You can't play reverse psychology with the universe where you um, insaw on the inside, you're, you're wanting and desiring to create one thing, but on the outside, you're aloof and and not engaged in it yeah let's let's play with that a little bit I love this question because detachment there's some nuance to detachment but at, at the end of the day detachment is really a feeling right it is an energetic alignment with your desire so what I mean by that is you can't want something and then go out in the external world, like, like you had mentioned, and say, oh, I don't really care. I don't really care if it happens. I don't really want it. Because those feelings and those words are completely opposite from what your desire is. When you are detached, you need to feel that you already have it. You have to have a sense of knowing that you have it or you know it's coming into your life. Because from a place of knowing you're relaxed, your body's relaxed, right? There's a trust. And when you're in that vibration of of trust, then you can more easily listen to your inner guidance and know what actions that you need to take in order to achieve what you want to achieve. So you can never lose sight of, of what you actually desire. It needs to be there, but you need to have a feeling of knowing, a pure sense of knowing that you can achieve it. Now, 
you can't hold on to it coming in the exact way you picture in your mind. Why is that? You have to have an openness that it's coming in the way that it needs to come, right? And I think too often we, we make specifics. We create such specifics that when things happen a little bit off from what we wanted or what we specifically wanted, we get disappointed, we get upset, and we stop the creation process, right? The creation process is keeping your body energetically aligned with what you desire. And you negate that creation process every time you say something negative against it, like, oh, I really don't want it. Or, oh, why did it come in this way, right? Those, those things negate it. And our work is to, to internally stay in that place of trust and alignment. And that sometimes can be a challenge, right? So in my book, I talk about the creation process has to be a discipline and a practice because we, it's so easy for the negative emotions to come flooding in, right? And to keep us on track, to attach, to strive, to feel those type of feelings that it's, it has to be a constant discipline and practice to not lose sight of what we desire, but to keep us energetically aligned in a sense of knowing that it's coming in whatever form, but it's coming. So why is it that important that you not hold on or seize on or strive for your intention? When you're striving for something, right? Or you're holding on, there's a, there's a tension in your body, right? There's a physical reaction that's happening where you're contracting, right? You're contracting your energy. You're holding things very tightly and you're not letting, you're not letting the universe come in and support you essentially. And, and from an energetic standpoint, you're resisting. And so when you feel tension and you're holding yourself small, when you hold your body small, right? You, you're basically shutting everything out. So everything is energy, right? Everything is an exchange of energy. And if you're wanting to create something, you're letting your energy out. You're, you're asking for it. You're, you're putting your request out, right? Energetically. And what you now want to do is receive what you just put out. You want to receive that. And the only way to receive that is to open yourself up, right? And you can do that energetically by, by releasing that tension, releasing that resistance, um, and putting yourself in a state of gratitude, right, um, of knowing, of calmness, um, of love, those are vibrational states that open you up to receive. And it's perfectly okay to be playful with it, right? Like, it doesn't have to be this big, serious corporate doing, doing, doing um, armor that we throw on or used to throw on when we go out to work. Right, by being open, playful, radiating, and receiving. It's almost like I, when I was listening to you, the idea of this open window for this thing, for this creation that I'm, that I'm calling in. I'm super good at it when it comes to great big things like parking spaces. We have a, mm-hmm. a running joke. There will always be a parking space open for me. And it's a bit of a cliche from the secret, one of the, you know, the watershed moments in the self-help industry where parking spots are are talked about as just practice on this, practice on this. Mm 
Why do you think it's so different for something small like a parking spot where I can just call in the parking goddess? I call it. (laughs) I actually did the parking thing too, right? Right? being very good at it. And I had my husband, like we'd be driving and my husband would be all stressed out about finding a parking spot. Like, and I'm like, I got it. I got this. Right. And yeah, it worked. I think it's very easy for parking spot because we don't really care that much. Right. It's like, you know what? I want a parking spot. I can relax about, I can detach. Right. What's the worst thing if I don't find a parking spot? I think for anything that we have a, a greater emotional, like our emotions are so invested in it, right? That's when it's hard to let go, right? Because you want it so badly, you can't let go. But something like a parking spot, you can easily let go of, right? Because you don't really want it that, I mean, you know, you're not so emotionally attached to it. You can so make do and walk a block. Absolutely. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And it's having that mentality. It's so interesting. You, you know, you're saying you can make doom walk a block. You need to have that mentality for those things that you feel so attached to. You know, you got to open your mind up to say, why am I so laser focused on this one way, one particular thing? Instead say, it's okay. I can, whatever it is. Right. And that's when you detach. That's exactly, it's, it's remembering exactly what you said. It's okay. I can walk a block. And you, you're released. I think we need to use that one. Hey, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's okay. I can walk a block here. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, and it's the shift in consciousness. So one of the things when I was, when I was really tuning in to all of this as something that worked for me, one of the things I had to reconcile was that this may be this seem freaky or magical or weird or strange and uncomfortable. And I might be energetically and cosmically creating here, but I also might be noticing what is and being more perceptive and open to it. Like the opportunities are there, but we just don't see them because we are, the window is closed. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I hear you. I feel like you, for myself, I gained a greater sense of awareness, right? And, and yes, I, ha, you know, I experienced those magical moments and the synchronicities when you do open yourself up to, to this world. And for me, it made this life much more wondrous and exciting. It's like, wow, this is actually life is so much more interesting than I ever thought it was. But it also gave me a sense of awareness where... I can tune in and see, see signs, like literally real signs, like a sign on the bus telling me what I had been like contemplating or struggling in my head. And it would tell me what to do. Right. You can actually see signs and it sounds a little to people. It could sound a little woo woo and crazy. Um, but for me, it's, it's so interesting to see the journey of my husband who has such an engineering mind would have never touched this world except now he's married to it and he's he came to me the other day and he said I'm seeing signs I'm like well because you're becoming more aware right and 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 to your point you recognize more opportunities because you see so much more well let's seize upon this opportunity to talk about what some of your practices are Absolutely. I would say my number one practice that I started in 2014 was meditation. Um, And meditation for me, 
has been critical. And I've been trying different forms of meditation. And sometimes I use guided meditation. Sometimes I need music. I just sort of listen to myself and see what works. Um, but that's, that's really important because I feel like the discipline, the daily discipline of calming my mind um, and being much more aware of my thoughts and much more and having that ability to, to quiet my thoughts. I think it, I think it's, you know, it's life changing. It's life changing. It's the difference between starting my day, reacting to my day to creating my day. So that's a big practice for me. And I would say in the last six months, I've, I've gotten into a practice of yoga and that's, you know, that's, that's my path. And it's actually Kundalini yoga, which I would say is probably the, a very spiritual form of yoga because it does um, involve a lot of meditation. And so personally, I gravitate to, to these different uh, practices that are real, that really help me um, keep my mind um, from going in the direction of fear. Uh, honestly, like for me this past year, um, I had had to control a lot of fear. It's like, Rana, what are you doing? You know, leaving a high paying finance job to, to write, to write a book, right? I have a husband, a family, you know, they're all looking at me like you're crazy. And I knew I needed to follow my heart, but at the same time, I had to control the mind and the voices and the fears. Because again, I talk about creation is a discipline and a practice. And I felt it because I felt all the fears coming in. And meditation and yoga for me were really, were, is really, really helpful for me in being able to calm the mind, to stay focused, right? To have an internal alignment and vibration um, that's completely aligned with my desire. And what I wanted to do is to get rid of any sort of thoughts that would go against that. So those are my practices. And this is why it has to be done on a daily basis because those thoughts come in daily. Yes, it is. It's a commitment. It's a commitment. But if you're committed to what you desire, right? So your commitment has to be greater than your fear. And so if you're committed, then, then you make these practices part of your life. Right? It's like going to the gym. People are committed to keeping a healthy body. They go to the gym every day. Same thing. Their vision of themselves as healthy and maintaining health is greater than their desire to sit on the couch. Absolutely. What would you say to someone who has tried meditation and finds it difficult or might feel like their throat is closing up when they're doing it or is uncomfortable in their body. Did you experience anything like that when you entered into your meditation practice? Yeah, I would say I think meditation is hard for everybody who first starts it. Um, And, you know, because you're not used to quieting your mind. And so my recommendation is that you know, you, you can actually go on any of these meditation apps, right? And they're all kinds of different meditations and try ones that work for you. Like for me, I have to start with a, a guided meditation and I was introduced to this, you know, this particular meditation that was called the six phase meditation and it was guided and it took you through different phases and it actually, you know, told you what to think or right? where to bring your mind. And that worked for a long time. I think I, I did that 
for six months. And then I, and then I said, okay, wait a minute. I don't want a voice talking to me anymore. You know, I want pure music. Um, my husband who never thought would meditate is meditating and he found his own, you know, meditations and guided meditations that work for him. So my recommendation is don't give up because this is really powerful stuff. Um, and more and more people are meditating and in the world that I came from, which is, you know, the corporate world, you, you hear of now, you know, a lot of CEOs are meditating. There's a huge conference out here in New York called Wisdom 2.0 with Anderson Cooper. And it's all about meditation. Um, it's, so this is, this is powerful. So you just need to find um, the meditation practice that works best for you and know that it doesn't have to be just one practice. I've gone through so many different meditations and you will, it, it gets easier. It get, gets easier. And there's lots of resources out there. It's almost like trying to play baseball and then trying to play soccer going, I'm, I need to find a sport and keep trying to find different forms of sport so that you can have sport in your life. Yeah. Would yeah. be a, sim, a, a good comparison for that. People don't yeah. just go, oh, I'm never going to play again, except maybe they do, but uh, <laughs> in the bigger metaphor of, of playfulness, but um, meditation is, uh, it's, there's also for people who think it might be too woo from them, there's huge body of science around it as far as what the physiological and mental benefits are. So it's yeah. not something that's out there on the fringes at this time. No. It's not. It's absolutely not. And the great thing about it, too, is because it's becoming more commonplace um, and you find it everywhere, right? There's a lot of resources. You can Google uh, meditation. You can go on YouTube. There's so many different forms of meditation on YouTube. You don't have to pay for an app. You can find free, um, free meditations on the Internet. Just while we're talking about which, which app do you use? I often recommend Headspace because it's my, it's the one I started with and it's the one I'm still with. Which one, what do you use? Yeah. My husband uses Headspace. Um, I use Insight Timer. Okay. I'm going to put links to these in the show notes for people to go and explore. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, I use Insight Timer. Um, and I actually did start, I have to give him credit. I did start with Omvana um, and... And that was the first meditation. There's a free meditation called the six phase meditation. And for me, when I was a beginner, that really helped me. I was actually exploring them this week to see if there were any new ones that I didn't know about. And there's one that seems to be very popular, very highly recommended called Aura, A-U-R-A, oh. which I kind of okay. liked because of Laura. I was like, oh, maybe I yeah. should try that one. <laughs> that's, <clears throat> that's about how refined you need to be. It's just more about getting out and experimenting and, and playing with it until you find something that yeah. works for you. Um, so coming back around to some of these ideas that we talked about, let's put together you know, a picture of, of somebody who's coming out of a business environment like you and I each did into our, you know, our respective um, coaching, authoring, writing, speaking um, version of ourselves. What was that journey like in terms of how you were feeling, what you needed to do beyond the, the meditation practice to get, keep yourself in alignment and where you feel like you really stepped up and took responsibility for that? For me, the idea of leaving um, 
my, my corporate job had been brewing for a couple of years um, and I was getting very serious about it. And I started to think, okay, maybe I was going to write a book, which is extremely foreign to me. Um, and like I said earlier, you know, it took a couple of years for me to believe that I could actually do it. Things lined up, right? And, and this is how the creation process works. When you have a knowing in your heart of, of a certain desire, right, that, that you want to achieve, and even if you don't perfectly know how it's going to happen, you trust it. Um, and I do believe the universe supports you if you truly believe in your heart and you trust it. And what happened to me is um, I, I, I got a new dog. I'm just telling you this sort of like funny story, but you know, I got a new dog, never got a dog before. My husband's struggling with this dog because he had worked from home and I, you know, I was going off to work. We had the dog for about a week and my husband said, I have to go into the city. Can you walk the dog in the morning? I've never had a dog, never walked a dog. So I'm walking this dog in the morning. I was going to be late coming into work. Um, and, I'm, and I'm taking the dog back and I say to the dog, this is so unfair to you. I need four months off, just like maternity leave to take care of you. And I, <laughs> and I brought the dog back in the house, got in my car, went to work and I went to work and my assistant was kind of in a frenzy. She's like, did you get my text? Did you get my message? So-and-so wants to see you. And at that moment I had a feeling, I'm like, I think I'm losing my job today. And I got called into, um, you know, the, the, the holding company's CFO's office, um, and HR was there. And I knew at that moment and literally, you know, I, I got told that there was a restructuring and that I was losing my job and, you know, I'd get paid for a year and he's telling me this and I did everything that I could to keep from smiling. I'm like, I cannot believe this is happening. I wanted four months off and I'm getting 12, right? And so, so at that moment, I was like, this is it, Rana, right? You, you said this is what you wanted to do. And now I'm giving you, you the time. You got the time, write the book, right? And so at that moment, I knew that I was being pointed in the direction to write the book. But I'll tell you, nobody else knew. My family didn't know. And... And you, you can't, I can't disregard the ego part of myself that goes through all of those emotions of like, oh my God, I lost my job. Oh my God, I'm going to have no income, all that. So I'm struggling with all of this. But then I, I think my point was that I had to just trust what was in my heart, what the knowing that I felt, even though it felt scary, I had to do it. So what I did was I just had to, you know, get myself together um, believe that this was what I needed to do and, and start doing it. And so for me, while I was writing the book, yeah, I had fears, right? I am transitioning from something I completely know to something that I don't know. Um, and I had a lot of fear, but I took that energy and I just kept that energy focused on the task, right? Which was writing. And anytime that I kind of felt fear or doubt, I had to put myself into my work and keep focused on in that direction. Um, so that, that, that is really, I mean, and I can't, I can't disregard the fact that every single word in my book was getting me through the process, right? Cause I was writing a book on the creation process. And honestly, that was huge because the words that were right, that I was writing were speaking to me 
and telling me what I needed to do. So in some ways I was fortunate. <laughs> well, you, it's like you were plunked down into an environment of, you know, of being surrounded by it every day. Absolutely. That's how I feel Absolutely. about coaching. Yeah. Right? When it, there's nothing that focuses my intention more than a client session. Not just because, of course, because I'm being of service and it's my, my passion, but I get to be 100% in alignment for that period of time with no distraction, full on focus with, you know, the, the, the current, but also future version of me. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so powerful. And you, cause you just said it, it is, it is that singular focus. You're in it, you're in it. And, and for me, it was trying to keep myself in it, right? Because when you're in it and you're focused, you're aligned. And there are things that want to take you out of it, right? There, for me, there were things that when I, was, when I stopped writing and I'm kind of out in the world, <laughs> you know, there are things that can distract you. And so, you know, my advice is stay in it, you know, stay focused, stay in it, stay in alignment and don't let things distract you. And do what you can. I mean, this is why it is discipline and a practice. And this is why I had to take on the yoga practice because there's a period of time where the writing had to stop, right? And, and the book needed to be completed. And then I had a lot more free time for what's next. Um, and that's when I needed a real, another practice, which is when I took on yoga, to keep me in that focus, that, that mental focus, that everything's okay, follow your heart. Don't be afraid. Mm, so that was what was in your mind and heart when you embraced that. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. What's next for Rana, Zia, and your hidden light? Well, I'm excited because when the, when the book came out in November of 2017, um, the book got picked up by a professor at the business school at Suffolk University in Boston to be a part of his course which is called Happiness, How to Get It. Um, And what I love is that these concepts, right, these spiritual concepts, the concepts of what can bring you joy and happiness in your life are being taught to our future business leaders, right? So someone who has a passion for business like yourself, um, who's come from that world, I feel like it's so important um, that our leaders, right, our business leaders, our leaders, really start to understand these concepts concepts. And sometimes it'll, it'll connect with you and others it won't. But the more that you have that opportunity to decide, does this work for me? Um, or does it not? I mean, all it can do, if it does connect with you, it can, it can enhance your life. Um, and all you want to do is help enhance other people's lives. So I'm very excited to, um, for that, for it to be a part of that course. I'll be speaking to to um, those group of students in the spring. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. You've got this wonderful <laughs> book. I, I highly recommend it. As I was reading it over the holidays, I was, uh, my intent is to get my clients to read it. So, uh, because I think that it covers, it certainly took me through a review of my, my own journey and I shared this with you in our private conversation. Um, there were certain parts of it that, uh, that triggered me. So it provided me with opportunity to explore, oh, why do I still have resistance for this idea or this, this you know, or the secret or, you know, that's not very useful to have resistance for the teachings themselves. 
And, Mm -hmm. uh, and so, you know, I, I have a lot of gratitude to the book for that because it took me on my journey a step further. And, uh, and so it's not a book for, for novices. It's a book that does, it's a wonderfully practical guide to the creation process to alignment to a spiritual way of uh, looking at things and uh, i will leave a link to to that in the show notes along with links to some of these meditation apps that we've spoken about (laughs) thank you laura well rana thank you so much for joining me here today it's been a delight and uh, i want to thank you for creating such a, a marvelous book and showing us all that the the process works this is the natural outcome of everything that you have written about and are talking about. Thank you, Laura. It was so fun being on. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I know you have a lot of choice where you receive your inspiration and information. If these ideas and stories resonate with you, I would be so grateful if you would take a few extra seconds for two quick things. One, if there's an idea or moment in the story or conversation that you feel would make a difference in someone else's life, take a quick moment to share on whatever app or website you're listening on. And two, subscribe so that you can become part of the ongoing conversation. Big conversations become the catalyst for meaningful change. I'm Laura Tucker, signing off for Free Your Inner Guru.